0: Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. Join us as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we're going to be talking about Ginny Weasley, who is personally my favorite character and has been since probably the first read of the series. Nice. Nice.
1: She's one of my favorites as well. All right, so Ginny's real name, or full name, is Ginevra Molly Weasley. And I always read this as Ginevra, like that's Minerva with she, But it's Ginevra. So Ginevra is the Italian form of the name Guinevere, which means fair one. And that's the name of King Arthur's wife, who was infamous for her affair with Sir Lancelot. But other Weasleys have names from King Arthur. I mean, obviously Arthur Weasley. And then Percy, which we talked about this on the Dumbledore episode because one of his middle names is Percival. Percival was a knight on the of the round table. So then also, Ginevra King was a socialite who inspired Daisy Buchanan for The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald, which I don't really see a parallel between R. Ginny and Daisy Buchanan, but okay. Um, Ginevra is also the Italian word for juniper plant, which often symbolizes chastity. And the name itself in Welsh or Celtic history means virgin, and can also mean white shadow or white wave. So both Ginny and Ginevra um, mean purity and innocence. That's like a lot of the different meanings of them. And I just think that's kind of interesting because Ginny kind of is seen as like the little innocent little sister for the first couple books, I think. And then she becomes this like fierce, hardened, sassy character. So I don't really think... Her name fits the Ginny that we like all know and love.
0: No, I don't think so either. But I think it's really cool that her name is similar to Guinevere, and I think that could have been a hint as her ending up with Harry because of Harry is the King Arthur mm-hmm. of this stor- story. I think that was cool. Her birthday is August eleventh, nineteen eighty one. So that was two days before this episode will be coming out, and that is her. I assume it's like her thirty eighth birthday because mm-hmm. every um everybody in Harry's year had been having their 39th birthdays, so she's actually, so she's really young, yeah, for her grade. Then because you have to be like eleven by September first, right? And she and was hers eleven. Like August, August 11th. so she, if yes. she was born
1: a month later, she would be two years behind Harry. Yeah. So she's a full year younger than Harry. Ginny's, like, in the last month that she could be and be that year in school. Yeah. So, speaking of school, her house is (laughs) Gryffindor. And I don't think we're going to talk about this a ton, but I feel like we've kind of made arguments for the other Weasleys to have potential, like, strong second houses or could be in a different house. And I think Ginny is, to me, just a very clear Gryffindor.
0: I agree. Her Patronus is a horse. And so... MuggleNet actually doesn't have writing about a horse, Patronus, which is what we've normally been pulling from for the Patronus section of these fact files. So this is a different source. It's called Patronabum. Um, I guess it's a Tumblr page. So I wonder if you can't get a horse on the Podmore quiz.
2: Or maybe like get... the
0: horses are more specific. Yeah. Like maybe it's like a Clydesdale horse and we don't know specifically what jenny's horse is so maybe that's why i think that might be it okay so i'm just going to read what we found from this alternate source it says the horse represents freedom and this is displayed in many forms it first signals a free spirit and someone ready to explore and feel alive individuals with this patronus are passionate and though that might be so they at times may be limited in some way and therefore their spirit is more ready to run through the field since they cannot the nature of this horse is always represented in these people because they do not limit themselves to the conforms of society, but rather feel they have their own path, their own destiny, and they have control over how they get there. They are strong-hearted and magnificent at best. The most common house for this Patronus is Hufflepuff. The most common signs are Aquarius and Aries. Dang, I should have gotten this Patronus. I'm a Hufflepuff and an Aquarius. (laughs) And
1: Ginny is (laughs) neither.
0: Yeah. This, I think... I can see this fitting, Jenny, like, I don't think it's a perfect one-for-one comparison about, like, with some of the things that they said, but I think this is really, Jenny. like, she's definitely more of a free spirit. She's definitely more of a, like, I will create my own path, my own destiny, and is strong-hearted, so I think that's pretty close. I guess what I don't really understand is when they talk about how, like, their spirit is willing to run free. Like, I don't really know what Mm. that means. That's very, like, metaphorical and high-minded and above my, like, philosophical brain's (laughs) comprehension.
1: Yeah, I liked that patronus for when I think Ginny, I think, like, passionate and fiery, and I think that's kind of what the patronus seems to mean.
0: Yeah, I think um, the only thing that I don't love about this patronus, and we can get into whether this is, like, a good thing or a bad thing, but, like, it doesn't really... Go with Harry's that well, Mm, and I like I don't really know what another Patronus to go with. Like I haven't researched this at all, so I don't know what another Patronus to go with a stag might be. Obviously, she can't get a doe because then that's like okay, really. Yeah, that's. You know what I mean, Um, and like people have said, oh, they're like similar. They're both kind of four legged they have Mm. like they have hooves yeah (laughs) they're both horse-like and okay like yeah i feel like that's a little bit of a stretch i don't know
1: yeah yeah i get that i i would be upset if she were a doe though because i feel like that's kind of that always kind of bothers me like i get that you're supposed to think james and lily are perfect because of that but like i feel like it kind of just reduces lily to like the female version of
0: james patronus you know Yeah, and I mean, I've seen like this argument kind of remedied by just saying, well, Harry's Patronus isn't actually a stag, it's just a stag because that's what his dad's Mm. Patronus was. Because you, like, as we know, like, you have an effect over your Patronus, like when Tonks falls in love, hers changes. So people have said that if his dad's Patronus wasn't a stag, his wasn't, wouldn't have been a stag. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay,
1: well, Ginny's parents are Molly Weasley, who was formerly Molly Pruitt, and Arthur Weasley.
0: Her skills are, she's a skilled chaser, and she is very skilled at the bat bogey hex, which I believe we see mentioned in Order of the Phoenix or Half-Blood
1: Prince, one of those two. It it might be both. She definitely does it in Half-Blood Prince because that's what she does to is it Zachariah Smith on the Hogwarts Express, and
0: that's what gets her into the slug cub? Yeah, I think it... Or no, it, I think it's a Slytherin. Or I can't remember who she did it to. I don't remember. It
1: might be. I, don't I thought it was Zachariah Smith, but... It might be. And then the... Her, so her wand is not listed on Pottermore, so I think that means we don't learn it in the books... But in 2016, Jo tweeted a photo of some of her sketches for the wands of the main characters, essentially the trio plus Ginny and Draco of Cursed Child. And underneath that, she wrote that Ginny's is You Wood. And so this is interesting because Voldemort also has U, a You wand. So it's like Harry's wife and also his enemy. Both have You wands. And. I don't know that we've read this whole description before, but I'm just going to kind of pick out. Should I read the whole thing? Yeah. You wands are among the rarer kinds, and their ideal matches are likewise unusual and occasionally notorious. The wand of you is reputed to endow its possessor with the power of life and death, which might, of course, be said of all wands. And yet, you retains a particularly dark and fearsome reputation in the spheres of dueling and all curses. However, it is untrue to say, as those unlearned in wand lore often do, that those who use yu wands are more likely to be attracted to the dark arts than another. The witch or wizard best suited to a yu wand might equally prove a fierce protector of others. Wands hewn from these most long-lived trees have been found in the possession of heroes quite as often as of villains where wizards have been buried with wands of yew the wand generally spr- sprouts a tree sprouts into a tree guarding the dead owner's grave what is certain in my experience is that the yew wand never chooses an either a mediocre or a timid owner so as that description was saying like it is associated a lot with like the dark arts there's kind of this reputation which is, I guess, why we get it to fit Voldemort's wand. But I really like how, just as often, like it could be the wand of a fierce protector, which I think Ginny kind of is, and she's a hero, certainly. And then, just like across the board, you wands are never mediocre, never have a mediocre, a timid owner. And I think Ginny is definitely a very good witch. I don't think she gets enough credit. Because we often see everyone's always impressed by like her bat bogey hex or like her reducto curse. And she's definitely not timid, which is what we were just saying, at least in the books. <laughs> she was yes. timid at the beginning when she's afraid of Harry and also in love with him. But then she comes into her <laughs> own. And I also just really like the, the fact about the wand sprouting into a tree over the grave. I think that's really cool.
0: Yeah, this description is basically like, okay, so in this description, JK had to make sure that you fit Voldemort, but we also had to make sure that people get this on Podmore aren't like, oh my god, I'm the next Voldemort, and just like, but also good people can have it too. Also,
1: you were gonna buy Ginny's wand, but you didn't.
0: Yes, I, Ginny's wand is always at the top, so there's like a, there's a list of wands that I want to get. I own... I own three official wands and then two wands that came from Geek Gear boxes. And I love wands. Like, they're probably my favorite merch of Harry Potter. I know, like, some people like different things. Wands is definitely the thing that I love the most. And Jenny's is always one of the top couple that I want to get. Cedric is always kind of in that sphere. Tonks was, but she was the last purchase that I made. But, like, no offense to anybody if they really like Ginny's wand, but, like, it's kind of plain. Yeah. Like, it's still a beautiful wand, and I like it, but that's just why it hasn't been, like, at the top of my list, so I've bought it so far. It will definitely be a future purchase for me. It might even be my next wand, because I felt really bad because I owned two, and neither of them were Hufflepuff wands, and Cedric is was, like, was the top of my list, but Cedric's wand is trash. <laughs> And so that's probably going to be one of my last wand purchases. Slash when I have like a real job and real disposable income. Yeah,
1: Ginny's <laughs> wand for anyone that's wondering. I mean, you can just look it up. Ginny Weasley wand, yeah. Doble collection. But it's like it's a pretty much black. It looks like yeah, and it's, it's like black. kind of twisted at the bottom, not fully like Tonks is. Tonks is the one with the divorce, Tonks right?
0: just has like a weird butt.
1: Yeah, but Ginny's is like I don't know. It kind of like. Looks twisted. It has a little detail at the bottom, but not throughout. So it's like very simple, but I think it's aesthetically pleasing.
0: Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Like it's definitely pretty. It's just not like one of the coolest ones, yeah. Yeah. you know? Can I like talk about the Geek Gear box just a little bit here? Yeah, sure. So before I move on, I'm just – since I mentioned the Geek Gear box, I'm going to talk about it just, like, for a hot sec because I've gotten it for three months now. And I just want to, like, share my experiences in case anybody's, like, in the market for a subscription box. I'd say that the box is really good. My favorite – like, I just said that wands were my favorite type of merchandise. I'd say, like, wands and, like, little figurines, like, replicas. (laughs) Stuff I can, like – I – I don't like to use any of the stuff, like prints aren't my favorite, which I'll talk about in just a second, Um, and they like normally have a good amount of those, but they always have a print, and then for the past two times, it's been a print and a poster, so I just have like an insane amount of things to hang on my wall right now, and I don't love all the prints that I've gotten, like the last print I got was like a neon Death Eater like design thing, and it's like definitely cool looking, number one, it's not my style, like it does it's not very harry pottery either because it's got very like neon colors. It's a the box is a little bit expensive, but there's always discount codes out there, so you can get it for below face value. But I'd say it's like really cool. Really good. I'm getting it for one more month and then taking a break and then I'll probably renew it again like over winter break or something. I just make sure that you're ready for the amount of prints that you're going to get and like know what to do with them cuz I certainly don't. Yeah, I'd say that it's really good. And I've heard not great things about the loot crate that people've liked the geek gearbox better than the loot crate, so. Moving on to her first mention. So we first quote unquote meet Jenny in the first book when Harry's trying to find platform nine and three quarters. And here's the quote from the book. Now what's the platform number? said the boy's mother. Nine and three quarters, piped a small girl, also redheaded, who was holding her hand. Mom, can't I go? You're not old enough, Jenny. Now be quiet. <laughs> So, and then I will say that she does, she is brought up again, like, later. She's like, ooh, mom, can I go meet Harry Potter? And she's like, no, leave that poor boy alone. <laughs> and then at the end of the book, she's said to be sitting on her tiptoes, like, craning her neck, trying to get a glimpse of Harry when they're back on the Aww. platform at the end of the year. She's so cute. <laughs> yeah. So, I, this, like, this quote is subject to a little bit of debate in the Potter world because of Ginny, or because of molly weasley asking what the platform number is i've seen like multiple kind of explanations for this and to be honest i think they're all kind of weak like audrey <laughs> put the one in there saying that like oh hasn't there been like theorized that molly noticed that harry was lost and so it was just like oh what's the platform number to try and get him in the right direction i think that's a little bit weak because number one yes he probably ha- she probably saw the owl in his cage but she's still like not sure that he's a magical person number two like he knows what the platform number is at this point he just doesn't know how to get there can i respond yes
1: because i personally really like that theory a she probably is pretty sure that he's like a magical and so like that's why she doesn't want to like approach him directly and be like are you trying to go to hogwarts she can't do that and then So that's why she, like, says it really loudly so he hears and then he feels like he can go to them because then he knows that they're looking for the same thing that he's looking for. And B, what was your thing? Oh, he knows where the platform number is, obviously, but she's establishing that they are going to the same platform that he's going to. And I personally really like this theory because Molly's just, like, helping out a random kid that, like, she doesn't even know. And I I think it, like, kicks off... Molly being a mother figure for Harry.
0: I definitely see where you're coming from, but I think that Harry could have figured out by like observing them what they were doing, anyways, because like he was by platforms nine and ten. It was this huge family with like, I don't think any of them had owls, but you know, like a bunch of kids, and they were like all together, like acting suspicious. Okay, but he's like eleven. Yeah, she but he's making sure right that he there. heard. Him. She's she stayed even right there. Throwing him but, a lifeline. I think that within the conversation, they probably would have said something like Hogwarts, which might have also, like, perked up his ears. I don't know. And I think this also, kind of going off the theory that Mrs. Weasley actually, like, does just forget what the platform number is it goes along with her kind of running gag throughout books that she's just like a very like forgetful and kind of like frantic woman like Like she can yeah she can never remember like fred and george apart you know what i mean just like i don't know establishing that she's kind of like always has too many things to do at once which is fair because she has seven children And they're not the easiest kids. No, and two of them are Fred and George. (laughs) (laughs) Probably should count for, like, four each. And they can do magic, so just, I can't imagine. I see your point. Before we move on, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ginny and Chamber of Secrets in this section, just because we, like, definitely had to talk about it, but we don't really want to talk about it enough for it to be its own section, and I think this also kind of fits in the first mention, because this is the first time she's an actual character in the series. So throughout Chamber of Secrets, Ginny was... Possessed by Tom Riddle slash Lord Voldemort basically to do his bidding, and she basically had the worst first year just ever. <laughs> And I feel really bad, because you can tell how excited she is and how badly she wants to attend Hogwarts, and, like, Fred and George are like, we'll send you a toilet seat, and she's like, oh my god, so excited. And then her first year, she doesn't remember half of it, she, like, almost dies, she's miserable the whole time, because she's so worried about forgetting, like, parts of her life, which is fair, she, like, doesn't really make any friends, from what I can tell, she doesn't really have a good time, (laughs) just, like really sad, and it's never really brought up again, and I understand that it's from Harry's perspective, so, like, maybe it really, yeah, maybe it, like, really does affect Jenny really badly, but I don't think we see that much, and Prisoner of Band, she's just like, another year at Hogwarts, you know what I mean, she's not like, and again, it's from Harry's perspective, so we don't, I'm sure that she went through some, like, PTSD and things of this like anxiety attacks maybe going back there but we don't see it because Harry is clueless yeah spot on
1: (laughs) all right so Ginny's personality type is ESTP which is the entrepreneur and I actually talked about this two episodes ago for Seamus which I assigned this to Seamus but this is the one that since Ginny is more of a major character she's been assigned this personality type So, I'm going to go through this and I'll say some of the same things I said about Seamus, but I think this fits Jenny better than it does Seamus. So, entrepreneurs always have an impact on their immediate surroundings. The best way to spot them at a party is to look for the whirling eddy of people flitting about them as they move from group to group. Laughing and entertaining with a blunt and earthy humor, entrepreneur personalities love to be the center of attention. If an audience member is asked to come on stage, entrepreneurs volunteer or volunteer a shy friend. And so I think once we get past Ginny in Chamber, where she's having the worst time, and then once she becomes more of herself around Harry, and Harry actually, like, sees how great she is, we see him constantly observing her as, like, energetic and outgoing. She's always kind of surrounded by people, like, she's on the Quidditch team, she's popular, she kind of always has a boyfriend, (laughs) and she definitely is, like, sassy and has great humor, which... Like, I think a lot of the time her, her like, jokes are making fun of Ron or something, but she definitely, like, gets laughs. So I think she kind of is similar to Fred and George in that way. So then moving on, entrepreneurs leap before they look, fixing their mistakes as they go. Rather than sitting idle, preparing contingencies and escape clauses... Entrepreneurs are the likeliest personality type to make a lifestyle of risky behavior. They live in the moment and dive into the action. They are the eye of the storm. People with the entrepreneur personality type enjoy drama, passion, and pleasure. So this reminded me of Ginny specifically in the Battle of Hogwarts because she was supposed to stay in the room of requirement because she was underage. But instead, she sneaks out into the battle and like she definitely... Is a go-get'em personality takes risks. I mean, she fights in the battle of the Par- Department of Mysteries and in the battle of the Astronomy Tower. So she fights in like three battles in a row at the end of her fourth, fifth, and sixth year. I think uh, this is part of the reason why I think she's such a good Gryffindor. I think there's more to that, but like I said during the Seamus episode, this. This description of this personality, this part specifically, really just is a very Gryffindor trait to me. It's like risky behavior, like charging into battle, um, kind of thinking first and acting second, which I think the only Gryffindor we really see, or acting first and thinking second, and the only Gryffindor we really see that thinks first is Hermione. True. <laughs> and maybe like McGonagall. Um, So also challenging to entrepreneurs is that it makes more sense to use their own moral compass than someone else's. And so they think that rules were made to be broken because of this. And this is, again, Ginny in the Battle of Hogwarts. Like, she's not going to be held back by her age. We kind of see this throughout the series where, I'll talk about this later when I talk about her family and, like, her relationship with her brothers. But she's constantly, like, told, you're younger, like, you can't do this. You're the only girl. You can't do this. And she, like does not pay attention to that at all. She's like, oh, you tell me this thing, like, I'm going to go against it because you told me I couldn't do it. So, like, she follows her moral compass. She's like, I feel like I need to fight in this battle. And so she just does it. Besides, she's, like, almost 17 at that point, right? So.
0: Yeah, I mean, she, it's, what, May and her birthday's August. So. Yeah. yeah. Like,
1: and she's, like, very well trained. So, yes, she holds her own. So with the perhaps the most perceptive, unfiltered view of any type, entrepreneurs have a unique skill in noticing small changes. Whether a shift in facial expression, a new clothing style, or a broken habit, people with this personality type pick up on hidden thoughts and motives, where most types would li- be lucky to pick up anything specific at all. So this really reminded me of, I'm going to talk about this instance I think a little bit throughout but it really reminded me of after Dumbledore's funeral Ginny knows that Harry is going to break things off with her before he even says anything and he knows that she knows and this is labeled on Pottermore as the chapter that made us fall in love with Ginny Weasley it's called The White Tomb from half Blood Prince and so I'm gonna just read an excerpt from that that I think really highlights this and says she met Harry's gaze with the same hard blazing look that he had seen when she had hugged him after winning the quidditch cup in his absence and he knew that at that moment they understood each other perfectly and that when he told her what he was going to do now she would not she would not say be careful or don't do it but accept his decision because she would not have expected anything less of him and so he steeled himself to say what he had known he must he must say what he had known he must say ever since Dumbledore had died. And so Harry knows that Ginny knows that he's about to like break things off with her. This is like at the same time heartbreaking because they can't be together for that year, but also because I know they end up together, it makes my heart swell because it shows how perfect they are together, which Katie's going to talk about, so I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but I think this really gets back to what that personality type... Is known for is like being very perceptive, and I think Ginny can read Harry very well. Another instance of this is kind of when she gets him to, she's the one that like gets through to him to put the Half-Love Princess book back and stuff like that. She kind of understands him, and I think she's very perceptive in that way. So for strengths, They're supposed to be bold, rational, and practical, original, perceptive, direct, and sociable. I think all of these fit pretty well. Ginny's definitely, like, bold and fiery. In conversations, she's quick-witted and, like, kind of has quick comebacks. And then on the Quidditch pitch, she's bold. Like, she is not afraid to go flying into Ernie Mac. Or, no, Zachariah Smith when he's commentating and annoying her. And then in battle, she's charging off into battle. She's really bold. She's also really popular and sociable and direct. So that instance I was just talking about, when Harry kind of breaks things off with her, she goes, it's for some stupid noble reason, isn't it? So like she doesn't hold back. Then weaknesses. Insensitive, impatient, risk prone, unstructured unstructured, may miss the bigger picture and defiant. The impatient, risk prone, and defiant, I all see, I see all of them definitely with the Battle of Hogwarts. And not really listening to anything anyone else says. And then I don't really think she misses the bigger picture or is insensitive. Because with her like breakup with Harry and Half-Blood Prince, she knows it's about Voldemort. And she's accepting of it. And she's also really sensitive with him following Dumbledore's death.
0: Um, so when I was looking up stuff about Ginny for this episode, I came across an article. And it was like, Ginny Weasley is not as good as everybody thinks she is. So I was like... Let me check out this article, and so the article is basically going through all the instances where Ginny was mean, and I'm like I'm not gonna lie, like Ginny's not always the nicest person in the world. We talked a little bit about this in the scene where like Ron comes after her for like making out with Dean, and then she comes back with some like really mean things, and like Ron was being mean to her, so it's always. Iffy, but she like does come back with comebacks. She's kind of first to jinx running into the table with Zachariah Smith. She's very brash and, like, yes, that can be a Gryffindor quality, but I think that she for sure is a little bit insensitive. Mm. And I think that she's a little bit, um, what was the word I was looking for? I had it in my mind earlier. Just like unapologetic for the things that she does. And I'm not saying that that's like really a bad thing because I think we get a lot of male characters that are always pretty insensitive and pretty unapologetic for what they do. And then like Ginny does that as well. So why should we criticize her if men get criticized for these things? But I think it's important to like bring up that yes, she's definitely like sassy and witty and like strong and independent and strong hearted and strong willed. But like a lot of times those characteristics come with somebody who's maybe a little bit insensitive, maybe like a little bit rude sometimes. And I'm not saying that like that's always a bad thing. Yeah. But I think it's important to remember about her character as well. That she's not, like, this flawless character that a lot of people remember her as. Which I do, like, I do as well. Some of the things that she does are, like, a little bit... Eh, like, maybe yeah. you could have, like, handled that differently. And I'm not saying, like, no character in the Harry Potter world is perfect. And Ginny is a perfect example of this as well. So
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I think maybe I wasn't really thinking about that when I was saying she wasn't insensitive because I was thinking about wit, when in, like, times of trouble when she, with people she loves or cares about, you know, like, she's there yeah. for Harry after Dumbledore's death and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but definitely, yeah, like, she can step on people's toes. So I think you can see that as insensitive or just a little, like, towing the line, you know? like mm-hmm. So then the next two things I'm going to talk about are just parenthood and career paths which is a little, comes from things we know of her after the series. So for parenthood, in a lot of ways, entrepreneurs are what many children would consider the perfect parent. Fun, loving, and playful, flexible, and understanding. People with the entrepreneurial personality type genuinely enjoy spending time with their children and know how to make sure everyone is having a good time. Entrepreneurs have a natural curiosity and spontaneity that is perfectly matched to the wonder and insatiable desire to learn that, that young children have. And I think Definitely, what we see in Cursed Child is that parenthood comes way more naturally to Ginny than it does to Harry. And I think, I I guess we don't see like a ton of her parenting because it's really focused on Harry's parenting. But the way I imagine it is that she would kind of take the really loving, great qualities about Molly as a mother and then tone down the like franticness. I feel like Ginny would be a lot chiller (laughs) and like Arthur. Yeah, and I can see her like going and like playing Quidditch with. James serious, you know? So I think she, I think because she had two great parents, she has the ability to kind of merge those two parenting types. Uh,
0: can we also talk about what a cool parent she would be because she's a senior editor for Quidditch of the Daily Prophet? Just like, oh, no big deal. Like, my mom was a professional Quidditch player, and now she, like, goes to Quidditch matches for a living, like.
1: Yeah. And then they get to go to the Quidditch World Cup for that. Yeah. But on that note, career paths... So we know that Ginny played professional Quidditch and then, like Katie said, becomes a daily profit Quidditch writer. So when it comes to entrepreneurs' career options, action is the word of the day. People with this personality type think on their feet and are great at making quick decisions in the heat of the moment. At the same time, they're affable people who always seem to make friends and connections wherever they go. Popularity and solid networking can be huge assets in the working world, and entrepreneurs nail it. So I think... I mean action being a professional athlete is <laughs> pretty action packed. <laughs> and then just like I think this also carries into her work with the Daily Profit. She like I think as like a reporter, you probably have to be quick on your feet and like make decisions. And so those were two of the things they talk about. And then it also as like a reporter pays to have friends and connections with your sources and stuff. So I think Jenny would be very good at that.
0: So in this next section, I'm going to talk a little bit about Ginny and Harry's relationship and then end it with just a little bit of how she is similar to Lily Potter or Lily Evans. So I'm going to start, there are like a couple different sections within this one section. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about is Ginny's crush on Harry, and I kind of brought up this first point that I have here, like she first sees Harry at Platform 9 through 40, she begs Molly to go and see him, and then when they're back on the platform at the end of the year, she's jumping up and down to try and get a glimpse <laughs> of him. And her crush only grows in Chamber of Secrets. When Harry's at the borough leading up to like their time at Hogwarts, she's uncharacteristically quiet and shy around him at the um, there and Ron brings this up, and then she defends Harry when Draco insults him at Flourish and Blots. She sends him a Valentine, and Aww. she describes his eyes as as green as a fresh pickled toad. So good, and then Harry gets like really embarrassed about this, and Ginny just so happens to like be there when he gets it, so it's Aww. extra embarrassing. The
1: eye compliment, the fresh pickled toad, reminds me of Newt. Um, yeah, saying your eyes are
0: like salamanders. Salamanders, <laughs> oh, so cute. And then Harry saves her at the end of Chamber of Secrets, and is just her like her little literal hero. People talk about, oh, my dad's my hero, like, oh, my husband's my hero, like, no, Harry is her actual hero. Knight like, and saved her armor. from yes, saved her from death. So I'm sure like that didn't really help. <laughs> <laughs> like her obsession with him, really. <laughs> but we see it start to wane at this point. Actually, in Prisoner of Azkaban, she blushes the first time that she sees Harry when they're at the Leaky Cauldron or at yeah, yeah in Diagon Alley. And then she still blushes again the first time that she sees him in Goblet of Fire at the Burrow. But she's this this is kind of the first book that she's able to be like friends with Harry like at the Quidditch World Cup. They're just palling around, and this coincides with when Hermione was just like, "Do Jenny, chill a little bit and then become your own person, like love yourself first, so that you can be loved."
1: Do you think like adult Harry is ever like, "Yo, remember when you were obsessed with me and then"? <laughs> adult Jenny goes, like, oh, and then you were obsessed with me. <laughs> they, like, flip-flop crutches. <laughs> I hope crutches. so.
0: I hope so. That's so cute. I can't handle it. So, next, I'm going to talk a little bit about this... Po- I don't know if popular fan theory is the right one to to this, but this fan theory... I've So, this is actually one that I had read before I researched for, the, like, researched for this episode, but I had forgotten about it, and so when I read it, I was like, ah, oh, yes, this one. So... There is a fan theory out there that Ginny Weasley lo- used love potion on Harry and that's why Harry like seemingly suddenly fell in love with her in Half-Blood Prince. The the uh, what's the word for it? Origin? No. Like the information to back this theory oh. up is Evidence. like pretty yes evidence the evidence for this theory is pretty flimsy and is very like theoretical so one of the biggest arguments for this theory being correct is that love potions are like mentioned a crazy amount of times in half blood prince and potions in general play a bigger role Mm. in this book than any of the other books previously and we specifically get a lot of information about liquid luck which we see use and love potions which we also see used It's This is when we learn that got used a love potion on Tom Riddle Sr. And, like, Voldemort became the baby that was born out of, like, fake love. Which a lot of people theorize is about why he went so bad. Is that he was conceived under the love potion. Under a love potion. And then we actually see one get used on Ron as well. Very poorly because it's expired. Is kind of, like, why (laughs) it goes really poorly. So people are like... Well, maybe Ginny... The the other evidence kind of goes with this as well. They have to be used together for it to really make sense. Is that this crush that Harry develops on Ginny kind of comes out of nowhere. And I'm not going to lie. Like, it kind of does. But also that's kind of how crushes work yeah. a little bit. Like, they just one day are like, damn, she's beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it does kind of seem out of left field. But that's kind of how feelings work sometimes. I mean, it's out, out of left field
1: with, like... Harry feeling it but not really because Ginny is totally like a new person over this time you know like I feel like four he starts to see Ginny for who she actually is five they like start to become even more like he's impressed by her magic and DA and then she like charges off into battle with them but it's still like a little bit of this protector thing and then like I think six I it's like I think she
0: goes through puberty that's
1: it. yeah I mean she's also yeah turning 15 and he's turning 16 and then like six it's like oh also now she's with these other people and Harry's gotten over Cho like Cho was in the way in five and now she's like with these other people so he can kind of imagine himself in that situation so I don't think it's I mean it's out of left field in the way that crushes are but it also the build-up makes sense
0: yeah no I totally agree but I definitely like kind of do see it as kind of like whoa I didn't know like this is where we were going right. you know what I mean um, so, like, with those two combined, people are like, well, it could make sense that Ginny actually gave him a love potion, and that's why the feelings kind of seem out of left field. And I'd say that's really it. That's, it's like, down. all the evidence there is. <laughs> and there's a lot of evidence to prove that this is not true, unless Ginny just continues to make love potions for the rest of her life. Which we know it's, like, we know that it do- it's not actually love. Like, it doesn't yeah, And also, no like, all the
1: time that he's thinking about her in Deathly Hallows and they're not together yeah. at all, how would, he,
0: that, would how that would she would be getting point. him the love
1: potion? Is Ron in on this? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Hermione has to be the one because Ron's gone for a while.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was the other point that they came up where it's like, yes, this theory, like, at first kind of seems like, oh, that's interesting to think about. But when you actually look at it, it's like, well, no, because Harry was gone from her for an entire, what is it? Like, ten months. August was it July like late July early August to early May mm-hmm. and Harry is still like this might be creepy I I think it is it's like watching her on the Marauders map just like walk around awkward. Mm. okay Harry <laughs> but yeah and people actually believe this which I find kind of shocking I think it's just people who don't think that Jenny and Harry should be together and they're like oh yes this is why <laughs> they're grasping at straws yeah which. So I just thought I'd mention that I think that it's not true, but I think it's interesting to like look at fan theories because I was having this conversation with my sister a little bit earlier today or a little bit like yesterday, and I saw an article on Buzzfeed about this too. It's like, when does where where is the line where like yes this is J K Rowling's story but guess what it's still my story mm-hmm. like these characters are very real to me and so when what is that line of like. I can interpret my own information, but also, like, J.K. Rowling owns it, so, like, if my information goes against her information. She can just be like, like,
1: no, you're wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but, like, at that point, I can also be like, but no, I'm right. This is just as much my story as, and, like, I don't really think that's true, but I'd say that this story is a lot my, like, my story as well as J.K. Rowling's story, so I can, like, make my own conclusions about it. I generally don't do that, because I'm not a very creative person. So I can't really do that very well. Where is that where is that fine line? If I see something that I don't like from her, I can always just change that in my mind for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I like won't come after people who believe this, but I'm just saying I do not. <laughs> so I'm going to talk a little bit about why Harry and Ginny work. And my next section that I talk about is the book comparison, book-to-movie comparison, and I get a little bit, they, like, they overlap quite a bit in this section. So, Ginny's feelings for Harry never really go away throughout the series. She does take Hermione's advice, as I mentioned earlier, to just kind of, like, be herself and put Harry kind of on on the back burner. You know what? Like, maybe don't obsess over him 24-7. Like, maybe think about other things. Like, maybe think about classes. Think about improving yourself. You know what I mean? And then maybe, like, if you become more yourself and more comfortable, Harry will fall in love with that. And he does. So she's no longer waiting for him, and she starts to explore other relationships. And she's able to create a friendship with Harry, which I think is really important and is the basis of their re- eventual like romantic relationship. So she dates Michael Corner and Dean Thomas, which I always think that she dates like 10,000 boys, and I think the Weasley brothers make it seem like she's yeah. jumping boys left and right and picking up new boys. But she really, from what I can tell and from what the i remember she really only dates dean and michael.
1: It's just like, i think it's just that they talk about it so much. And then Yeah. then harry talks about her and dean so much.
0: Yeah.
3: But she does and have then,
1: a boyfriend pretty consistently for Yeah, five i mean
0: there's like sex. Yeah, cuz she's dating michael for i'd say most of five. Yeah. That like cuz she brings him to a the good order of the f- or D- Dumbledore's army, correct? Mhm. That's, like, the reason why he comes. And, and then they break, break up, up at the end of the year. The Quidditch, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, like, a pretty hefty amount. And then Dean, like, she's already dating at the beginning of six, I'm pretty sure. She, she's dating him at the end of five. Yeah, yeah. So there's very little time in between. Basically, from the time that Ginny starts dating like anybody, she has a boyfriend. Cause it goes Michael Dean Harry. Except then she has a break with Harry, but yeah, but like, we're not They were me. together. <laughs> <laughs> they were, no, oh, no no no, I'm not like doing that by any means. But it's just it, yeah. like going through her history of relationships. Yeah. Cause I know now, we're not, really, but I just
1: wanted to like clarify yeah, that for the no, listeners. like
0: three boyfriends total. So. <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> Not a lot, <laughs> kind of a low number. <laughs> I will say that people in the wizarding world do tend to get married quite a bit younger, from like what we've seen. I mean, well, barring Lupin and Tonks, because they don't really go
1: to college. College and essentially they know everyone in their around their age in Great Britain. That's a wizard. yeah. So like you meet everyone much.
0: You meet your dating pool pretty yeah. quickly. You, you see all your <laughs> options and
1: you're like, hey, I guess this is the best one. I'm not going to hold out for anyone else.
0: Yeah, yeah. Basically. So, Harry and Janie kind of create or become friends, which, as you mentioned earlier, I think becomes the base of their relationship. They share a very similar sense of humor. And J.K. Rowling shares this through a series of, like, kind of looks that they have. <laughs> or Janie will say something and Harry's like, oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> and to be honest, their shared sense of humor is kind of... Like, I don't know if cruel is the (laughs) word, but it's very, like, kind of what we were talking about earlier, very, like, sarcastic and kind of rude. So one of these, this one I think is the worst one, and I, so when they're in St. Mungo's, and they meet Lockhart, he's like, oh, do you want to sign autographs? And Ginny says something along the lines of, well, he didn't forget totally who he was. <laughs> that is definitely not word for word, but it's something along those lines, like making fun of Lockhart for his mental state right now. And Harry's like, ha, 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 ha and they laugh together. <laughs> it's like maybe a little rude. And then the next one, it, the other example I have on here is like Luna's going on about some like, one of her Luna rants and they just kind of and Hermione's trying to be like no Luna like that is incorrect and Luna's like but Hermione like you don't know for sure like going off on her Luna-ness and then Harry and Jenny just kind of like look at each other and they're like this is gonna be interesting <laughs> I love it so they definitely have a very like similar sense of humor which I think is probably one of the first indications we get and like this is what their friendship i think is based off of too like they're very similar and they're able to make each other laugh very easily Mm -hmm. and they like share a lot of these moments where they're just kind of like they're kind of the only two that get it in the room you know like they look at each other and they have like share this understanding (laughs) yeah so i think that's the basis of their friendship and then goes on to basically is the reason why they're able to have a successful relationship and like why they start their relationship oh wow I really get along with her and she's really funny and she laughs at my jokes too and then they also share this sense of familiarity which I think is also really important in their relationship their relationship is very easy because they know each other very well they've spent a lot of time together but it's not time but it's time as friends or like times it's kind of like brother and sister, you know, like sharing time at the borough, sharing time at 12 Grimmauld Place, just kind of live in life, but they're not dating at this point. But I think that becomes point important when they are dating is that they have that sense of famili- familiarity, like they basically live together at this point, you know, but not in a romantic sense. If you're like picking up I'm putting yeah. down. And then they have a lot of shared experiences, which I think makes their relationship a really strong Obviously, the Chamber of Secrets, which I mentioned earlier, is something that they both shared and kind of like be along with that, like being possessed by Lord Voldemort, like sharing a mind with Lord Voldemort is something that also they've both experienced and can share that experience with each other. And then Ginny understands more about what Harry has gone through than most people She's kind of definitely seen it from, like, not from a Ron and Hermione perspective, definitely a little bit farther away, but she understands it and kind of knows about yeah, it. definitely. And she's able to kind of, like, talk about that with him because she understands it. Harry doesn't have to explain everything to her. Mm-hmm. She's just like, no, I got you, bro. I got you, boo. And then... Their relationship really starts to develop when Harry starts admiring her and respecting her, which comes in Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince. Order of the Phoenix with her being like a very skilled witch, and then Half-Blood Prince with her being very skilled at Quidditch, Harry starts to become impressed with her and is like, damn, she good. And then Harry also finds Ginny attractive, and we know that Ginny finds Harry attractive because she's literally drooled over him since she was a 10-year-old girl, which is important in a relationship, I think. And then, this might not really make sense, but hopefully you understand what I'm saying here. So, I talked a little bit about how they have shared experiences, but Ginny didn't experience these things as, like, a Ron and Hermione perspective. Mm-hmm. She experiences as a little bit farther away. I think that's important because I think that balances out Harry pretty well. So, like, Harry's gone through these terrible things, these terrible dark things. Like, pretty much everybody he's loved has died. Or a lot of people he's loved has died throughout the course of this war. Like he has had tremendous pressure put on him for like defeating Lord Voldemort. He goes through a trial that probably nobody else could imagine every year Mm -hmm. of his life, basically. And then his upbringing was not easy either. But I think it's important that Ginny wasn't a Ron or Hermione person where she was there for everything because I think it gives Harry some flexibility in like not making that a defining trait that Ginny sees him. You know, like, Ginny doesn't see him as, like, the boy who got the sorcerer's stone in the first year. She doesn't see him as. Like, the person who broke Sirius out of Hogwarts, because she was, like, a little bit farther removed, but she still, like, knows about those things, but it wasn't something that she experienced with him, so it kind of balances out, like, Harry has very dark memories, and Ginny, like, knows them, but she wasn't there to experience that dark things with him for a lot of the time, so she's able to bring a little bit of light to Harry's dark, but she still understands and knows, so I think that's, like, really important in their relationship.
1: I think you can also compare that with however terrible... Harry's childhood was pre Hogwarts like Ginny's was that good you know like there are totally opposite ends of the spectrum there and I think that Harry needed someone that had I mean he was already kind of part of the Weasley family regardless of who he married but like Harry needed someone that had that loving family and like through marrying Ginny he get all of that love and his kids get all of that love and I think that's really, really important.
0: Yeah, I think so too because that also we see where Harry is maybe not the best parent and I think a lot of that can be traced to like him having terrible guardians himself and like not really having parents so he doesn't really know how Mm -hmm. to parent well. Which... I'm not going to talk about her child. No. <laughs> and then Ginny has amazing parents, and she know, like, so she's seen how to be a good parent. And, like, we mentioned earlier, she takes the good things from Molly and the good things from Arthur and becomes basically the perfect parent, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they do a really good job at balancing each, each other out, but still, like, well understanding each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, next, this is a really short section, but I thought it's important to mention is that Ginny has been compared to Lily. A lot, and people kind of do it in this way of like, wow, isn't that kind of gross that Harry basically marries his mother, his mother's clone, and like, yes and no, I can see where it's are coming from, but also like within psychology, it's not, it's not unique Oedipus or Goblins. weird. Y- well, <laughs> yes, <yeah, laughs> kind of like take that down. <laughs> you yeah, know, no. like it's not uncommon for people to look for future partners that are like remind them of their parents and maybe remind is kind of the wrong word but it's like if i which this is true my parents love each other and they have a pretty they have a good relationship mm-hmm. and i really get along with both my parents so it wouldn't be weird for me to be like well my dad was a really good husband and like these are the traits that yeah. he has that made him a good husband so i'm going to look for that in my future husband you know what i mean so it's definitely not weird and it's not creepy that people kind of set it out to be. Now, she looks exactly like Lily, and I think that's kind of the part where people are like, okay, Harry. <laughs>
1: okay, but Harry never knew his mother, really. So, yeah. like, I think that makes the whole thing less weird, too.
0: Yeah. I also think that it's pretty cool and pretty... James and Harry both fall in love with insanely strong insanely spunky like independent fierce badass women and i think that's really cool to show that harry like the protagonist of the whole entire series marries this awesomely strong woman not just this woman that he saves throughout the series which i mean he does save jenny but jenny also saves herself and james says that too and james is kind of this i don't know if like problematic is really the right word but kind of this like Douchey character, yeah. kind of. And he still picks out this insanely strong, insanely independent, awesome, badass woman to spend the rest of his life with. And he is in love with Lily. Yeah. You can say a lot of things about James, but James idolized Lily Evans and had the crush in her and pined for her for years before Lily was like, okay, fine, I'll show you the time of day. Also, I think with James, the best part of him was the part that loved Lily and
1: I don't know that that's true with Harry but that's a little bit on James that's off topic another like slightly off topic thing is that um the tumblr post which where Molly Weasley gets to heaven and she sees this like young girl with red hair long red hair running towards her and she thinks it's Ginny and the girl like hugs her and then she realizes that it's Lily Evans and Lily is thanking her for taking care of Harry. Not really related, but I'm going to bring that up whenever I can.
0: (laughs) Just so wholesome and good. Okay. And I'm just going to round this out, kind of like reiterating what I just said, but I think it's awesome that J.K. Rowling depicts these very strong male characters that are also attracted to and choose to be with strong female characters. Just like... Women don't always need to be saved. We're not always the secondary person in the relationship. Like, great on JK for showing that.
1: So my section is also a bit of a long one. And this is already a long episode.
0: <laughs> yeah, we apologize.
1: So anyway, it's kind of a lot of sections in one. I'm going to talk about Jenny's place in the Weasley family, her relationship with her brothers, and then also we're throwing in her relationship with Hermione because... We thought that deserved the time of day to talk about because it's probably underestimated by Harry. So anyway, the just from the Pottermore article that I was talking about earlier, the chapter that made us fall in love with Ginny Weasley, um, they have a quote there about Ginny, and it says, She seemed to be the perfect combination of all the Weasleys combined, including the irreverence of Red and George, the good spirit of Ron, and the ferocity of Mrs. Weasley. I think Ginny, as the youngest child, often is speaking as a English child <laughs> myself, has all oh my the great God. qualities of those that come before her. <laughs> Katie's just shaking her head.
0: No. Anyway.
1: Um, so Jenny was often treated as the baby and told she couldn't do things that her brothers did because they were older and also because she was, like, the long-awaited and cherished, like, only daughter. Um, so... She kind of has, like, the protective older brothers times six. Yeah. Um, and this, I think, starts with our first mention, that depiction of her, because, like Kitty was saying, Mrs. Weasley basically just tells her, she's like, no, you're not old enough to go, like, be quiet. And so yeah. that's Mrs. Weasley, like, holding on to her little baby girl and being like, you don't get to go off to boarding school yet. But also it's just kind of like, no, Ginny, you can't do this yet. Wait, you have to wait, like you're not old enough yet. And I feel like this is probably was a constant reminder to her. <laughs> and then in Chamber of Secrets, of course, she's having a really tough time and no one knows anywhere near the full extent of her troubles. But like Fred and George spend time trying to cheer her up by like covering themselves in boils. And that's like their way of trying to like take care of her. And then po- Percy first forces her to take a pepper up potion because he thinks she's not addressing well the Hogwarts. So I think like those are her brother's watching out for her and being concerned about her which is nice and then in prisoner of azkaban you're mentioning that they kind of just like move on from the whole Ginny Voldemort possession thing but i think in the at the very beginning molly is like a little bit more protective of her i think when they're talking about like um their trip to Egypt Egypt. and stuff, like, it seems like Molly is kind of, like, trying to enlist the boys to be, like, make sure that Ginny does not get possessed by Baltimore again this year.
0: (laughs) You failed last (laughs) year. Like, you suck.
1: (laughs) Why do you think I had so many kids so you could take care of her? (laughs) And then one of my favorite little anecdotes about Ginny, which I think I've talked about on the podcast before, but it's the boys never let her play Quidditch with them growing up, probably because they were like, no, you're not going to be any good, like, you're too small, whatever. But Hermione actually reveals this to Fred and George. Fred and George are surprised at how good Ginny is at Quidditch when she makes the Gryffindor team. And then she, Hermione's like, "She's been stealing, sneaking into the broom um, shed and stealing your broom. since she was six to practice on her own." And I just think that's amazing. And I love that like, uh, most of the Weasley boys are like good Quidditch players and they play, but then like Ginny's the one that ends up going pro.
0: Sorry. Also, this is like a minor detail that I love about this story is that she takes all of the brooms and like rotates yeah. it. So like this time she takes like Fred's. This time she takes yours. So they each get like an equal amount of wear. Like, <laughs> uh, I just I don't know what that is about that detail, but I think that's hilarious. It's, just it's so, so funny. funny.
1: She's like, I'm going to make sure they all get their (laughs) rooms. (laughs) here.
0: Yeah. Uh, So good.
1: And then I mentioned this a lot earlier, but she's told that she can't fight in the Battle of Hogwarts. So it's just another instance of, I think, as the youngest and as the only girl, Mrs. Weasley is trying to, like, hold on to her innocence and be like, no, I can't tell Ron and everyone else that they can't go charging off to battle because they're of age. But, like, you, I'm going to hold on to this for another couple months. You can't fight. And then I think on the flip side where she gets all of that, like, kind of, like, you can't do this attention. She also just gets more attention in general from the Molly and Arthur. Um, This is talked about a lot about with Ron's kind of complex of being the forgotten one because Ginny is the youngest and the only girl, so she, like, gets paid attention to, where, like, Fred and George get paid attention to because they're crazy, Percy is the bookish one and then like bill and charlie are just the first two so they're
0: the coolest ever. and they're really
1: cool so <laughs> and then like ron's the forgotten one so judy kind of like ranks higher than ron in the <laughs> attention true so then i'm just going to go through one by one with her brothers a little bit we don't know a, a ton with some of them but just her relationships So with Bill, it kind of seems like she idolizes him and sees him as really cool. I mean, he has a really cool job. And when Mrs. Weasley's, like, criticizing Bill's earring, Jenny's like, no, it looks cool. (laughs) (laughs) And he was the first sibling to go to Hogwarts, and she says, she talks about how she wanted to go to Hogwarts ever since he did. So, like, looking up to him throughout all that time... Um, he's, like, the one doing all the cool things first that she can't wait to do.
0: I saw a post about this, like, yesterday, so I just thought i would mention it, and it was, like, Ginny is quoted saying yeah. that she's wanted to go to Hogwarts since Bill went, but she was really one when Bill started going, yeah. and it's like, okay, Ginny, not really, but I get where you're coming Maybe from, Maybe, like, girl. since he was there, though. Yeah. No, I think that's, so, like, people are like, that's not true, Ginny. I'm like calm down okay Okay. also like it's probably just from jump she's wanted to go to like that's what she was getting at like okay people put down the pitchforks
1: yeah and then also with bill she helps tend for him a bit after he's attacked by Greyback, and then her whole dislike of fleur and like calling fleur Fleur flem which is another one of her kind of rude jokes but i think it's funny um, shows that she's probably thinks Bill's too good for her, and is like, in the ways that her brothers are protective of her, she's also like, you're not gonna marry this woman that I don't like. Like she's protective of him, like thinks he's too good for anyone.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna, what's the way to say this? Sorry, I'm going to go back and restate one of Audrey's previous statements. Ginny bullied Fleur. <laughs> Well, it might be humorous. I think that we we'll probably talk about this maybe on the floor episode, but we didn't do and a Molly...
1: floor
0: I floor I I said we will probably. Oh. Ginny <laughs> <laughs> um, and Molly are like. And Hermione. <laughs> yeah, Hermione. Hermione is just like a little bit less, but like, they're, they are like, uncalled for rude I that was not grammatically correct but anyways they're just like really rude to Fleur and I mean Fleur is definitely not my favorite character especially like at this point in time but still okay but they she do like it a on a little girl love for Bill. a little girl love like yeah. maybe not pit the females against each other okay just saying Jenny okay
1: You're still my
0: favorite though still my so favorite. High and mighty. <laughs>
1: Just wait till your brother brings home someone you don't like. <laughs> not that that has happened to me. It has not.
0: It <laughs> <laughs> has it? No.
1: Um, David
0: will for sure bring females I don't like around. <laughs> I can guarantee it.
1: So then moving on. <laughs> With Charlie, we don't see much of this because Charlie is MIA. <laughs> but The
0: entire series. Not just part of the series. Just Charlie's not there. Yeah. Why is he not the bell? But Hogwarts? he's so cool. Wait, but like, yeah. do we know if he comes back? No, wait. I don't think we know.
1: Anyway, <laughs> so we um, don't see much of her relationship with Charlie, but I kind of just assume it's similar to hers with Bill because there's a large age gap. He's also really cool, that kind of thing. With Percy, Percy is tries to be a role model for Ginny and Ron because he thinks oh. that Fred and George are the worst, but they tend towards <laughs> Fred and George more, so. She's like, not about that. She makes fun of him a lot and is the one to reveal that he's dating Penelope Clearwater when she's like, oh yeah, he's been like holed up in his room writing letters to her all summer.
0: (laughs) Boys are clueless. Let me just reiterate that. Boys are clueless. They never know what's going on.
1: And so she's also really angry. And I think this is one of those times we see her be really fiery is when he returns. Back to the burrow at Christmas after kind of, like, betraying his family. (laughs) And she she throws mashed parsnips at him. And this is also her defending... Like, it's her defending the fact that he's been terrible, like, to Molly. But also Mm -hmm. the fact that, like, he didn't believe Harry and stuff. So Harry's included in that family. Um, So they don't have a great relationship. But I assume it gets better when they're older. Once Percy's not the worst. (laughs) And then with the twins... This was probably, like, I think this was probably her most similar... She was most similar to the twins than she was to any of her other brothers because they're, like, fun-loving and rebellious. They often try to cheer her up by doing goofy things. But they do have, like, a little bit of a rift in their relationship when they, like, tease her and question her on her dating life. And she's not about that. Then we get to Ron. And this is... I think that she truly does, does love him and he loves her... But I think both of them throughout the time that they grow up are not very good at expressing that. And I think this is really typical of any siblings that are that close in age. Like they're one year apart.
3: Yeah.
1: Like Ron doesn't like it when she is dating boys and they fight over that quite a bit. I think Ron tries to be overprotective of her. And I think he also is probably a bit annoyed that she's also like always tagging along with his friends over the summers. But he does, like, let her be there most of the time. I mean, he tries to keep her from going to fight at the ministry and stuff like that. But, I mean, overall, I think he's a pretty good brother that he lets her hang out with them that much at the Quidditch World Cup and stuff like that. And then I think... They do definitely, I would say, I mean, they obviously stay close in adulthood with Ginny marrying Harry. And then I think they probably, like, fight a lot less then just because they're mature and don't have petty things to fight about.
0: Yeah, and just going off of, like, the Ron maybe not wanting her to go to the, like, Battle of the Ministry or her parents not wanting her to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts. Like, I don't think that that those... Them wanting her not to go into these deadly battles is a, a knock on them. No, you know not what I at mean? all. Like I definitely think that they could even know just how capable Ginny is, but still not want her to go because they don't want her to die. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, you know what I'm coming from. Yeah, I it's think like, it's. I'm not saying it's like a
1: knock on them in my yeah. opinion, but I think in Ginny's opinion, like especially yeah. when Ron tells her like, she can't fight in the Department of the the that mis- Battle- Department of Mysteries. I never say that right Um, because she's been training alongside him all year. She's kind of like shown herself to be – I mean, Ron's a good – wizard but like jenny's very proficient and like she's like why like you don't have the authority to tell me this
0: yeah i think this is probably something that comes with her growing up and like reflecting on it is they were never telling her not to go because they didn't think that she was capable and that's probably how she took it when she was in the moment but as you get older it's probably like oh they didn't want me to go because they didn't want me to die makes sense yeah
1: So then, after talking briefly about her relationship with all her brothers, I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about her relationship with Hermione. Because Katie and I both, I think, really like this relationship and think that it doesn't yeah. get enough credit because Harry is, of course, ignorant. And Please. Hermione's my favorite character and Ginny's Katie's favorite character. So it's like, that's perfect. So they start to become close when Hermione stays at the borough during the summer of 1994. I mean, they know each other before then and are kind of close before then, but I think this is when we really first start to see it. This is the summer before the Goblet of Fire, and this is when Hermione, like Katie was saying, advises Ginny to just act like herself around Harry and maybe date other guys. She says, like, quote, Hermione told me to get on with my life, maybe go out with some other guy, some other people, relax a bit around you, because I never used to be able to talk if you were in the room, remember? And she thought you might take a bit more notice if I was a bit more myself. So I think it's really cool that Hermione is trying to help Ginny out in that department. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And then Hermione always seems to know about who Ginny is dating before the boys know. So she knows about Michael Horner and about Dean, I think. So it's clear that they are, like, talking to each other even throughout the school year. Because a lot of the, we think that, like, a lot of their closeness comes from their time at the borough or whatnot, but... I think it's throughout the school year, because Ginny was also the only one who Hermione confided in about Crum asking her to the Yule Ball. And Ginny's the only one that knows for sure that they've kissed, like, at least once or something. Or snogged. Um, (laughs) So, they're always... Hermione and Ginny are always grouped together whenever Harry and Hermione are with the Weasleys. So, like, at the Burrow, at 12 Grimmauld Place, at the Quidditch World Cup. This is, I guess... I don't know. It's kind of weird because it's just like they're the only two girls so they're always just like put together. And like Mm -hmm. they get an entire tent to themselves at the Quidditch World Cup, which I never understood.
0: I mean, I assume that tent is probably smaller. Yeah,
1: but I was also like, I don't think it's like would be that big of a deal.
0: No. If they just shared a tent. Yeah, also by like Ginny is related to seven or six out of the like... She's related to all of them, all the boys, but one in the Yeah. Ten, so it's like... Yeah, it's kind of
1: weird. Um, and then I was just thinking about this, and I think they're the closest thing to a sister that either of them have. Like Hermione's an only child, and Ginny doesn't have a sister, obviously. And we never see them... And they
0: become sisters. I know,
1: they become sisters-in-law. <laughs> and then we see them interacting way more than we see them interacting with other girls, Or we, like, know of them interacting. So Hermione was never... We never see her, like, really have a friendship with any of the girls in her year. And then Ginny, we have no idea even who the Gryffindor girls in her year are. Which is really weird to me. Because I was like, they don't even come to Dumbledore's army. Which is, you know, like, that's weird. You would think we would at least, like, learn their names then. Yeah. But, I mean, Ginny is... Does have Luna in her year, and I think Ginny's probably Luna's best friend, but not the other way around. Harry never talks about Ginny hanging out with uh, um, other girls in her year. He's always, whenever he talks about who she's hanging out with, it's the person she's dating at the time. He's like, oh, she's off with Dean, like, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, I think they are definitely each other's closest girl friends, I would confidently say. Yeah. They also bond over their dislike of Fleur, which Katie has feelings about. <laughs> they're
0: bullying of Fleur.
1: <laughs> but it's like, I think because for so long, okay, for so long it was just Ginny and Mrs. Weasley were the only woman. And then they bring Hermione in and then it's like all of a sudden there's like another woman. And they're all super like
0: Meh. I don't think that Hermione doesn't like Fleur because Ron is obsessed with yeah. Fleur.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then Ginny appears to be really disgusted by Ron and Lavender's relationship. I think part of it is because she doesn't want to watch her brother being disgusting like that. But um, I think she also knew how Hermione felt about Ron. Whether that was, like, a disgust thing, like, whether Hermione would confide in Ginny about that, or I think Ginny just probably picked up on it. I mean, it it totally could be something that they talked about. Because I think Hermione was aware of her feelings about Ron way more than Ron was, like, actually acknowledging his feelings about Hermione. For sure. So, yeah, I just think they had a really cute relationship.
0: Yeah, I agree. So now I'm going to talk about the book-to-movie comparison of Ginny. And I'm just going to preface this by saying that this is by no means, like, an attack or blaming bonnie wright it's more an attack and blaming like the writers and the directors and how they wrote the character and how they directed bonnie wright to be that character to be honest bonnie wright is like an icon for the work that she does for the environment and it's just like she i think she's like directed or like produced a film like a couple films she's beautiful and amazing and just like i said an icon so i love you bonnie wright so in the books Ginny is funnier, sassier, and wittier, and this is really, and, like, this is where her spunk comes from, and, in effect, like, her whole personality is just cut out, cut out from the movies, because her personality in the books is really rooted in, like, her sassiness, her spunkiness, her independence, and none of those things are really brought up in the movie at all, and these are the reasons why Harry falls in love with her, and I think one of the, One of the big consequences of them not showing Jenny's real personality is that her and Harry's relationship comes out terribly in the movie. It's just, like, really awfully... I think part of it has to do with the writing, and, like, I think part of it is that Daniel Radcliffe and Bonnie Wright just have no chemistry.
3: Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) The kids... Oh, go ahead. ...where their melts just don't move. They're just like, I can't... (laughs) But they both just have, like, no movement in their lips, and they're just, like, pressing their lips against each other.
0: Yeah, and, like, the scene in the burrow, right before the burrow catches on fire, which is, like, my least favorite scene in all the movies. Because it doesn't make any sense. Why? Why? It's not in the books. Why? (laughs) When, like, Jenny bends down and, like, ties his shoes, I think it's meant to be very sexually charged, and it's not. It's just very uncomfortable to watch. So I think part of it is to do with like Ginny's lack of character and personality and why their relationship comes flat, but I think it also has to do with, they just really don't have chemistry that I saw.
1: Also, their first kiss in the books is so much better than in the movie. It
0: is. Because Ginny kisses
1: Harry, which I
0: love. And
1: it's right after the Quidditch.
0: yeah. And there's like, it's described as like, this mane of red hair is just flying at Harry. It's like, then all along with kind of her lack of personality in the book, she is always speaking her mind. She's always sharing her opinions. She's always like letting it known what she thinks and her opinions and in the movie that's cut out. And then in the book. Movie, she also comes across as a lot more starry-eyed of Harry than Mm -hmm. she is in the books, like, post, like, post one and two. Yeah. Because even in their relationship, Ginny is, like, it comes across in the movie as Ginny is, like, oh my god, this is amazing, like, Harry Potter, like, oh my god. It comes across as Ginny is much more in love with Harry than Harry is in love with Ginny, I think. Like, that's at least, Mm -hmm. like, kind of the Mm -hmm. thing that I get from the movies. And I think that's because they don't give Ginny a personality in the movies. And you don't get Harry's thoughts about how in love with Ginny is. Yeah, that's true. So I think that this relationship on screen was just doomed from the beginning. Because we don't see Harry's inner, like, monologue and thoughts. We don't see... Ginny's personality, which is why Harry falls in love with her in the first place. And the two actors just, like, really don't have much chemistry. Mm. Then, in the book, she proves time and time again that she doesn't need to be saved. That she can save herself. And we get a little bit of this. I think Five might be the best Ginny movie. Because her and the DA is, like, she's pretty badass. in the Mm. DA, like, we see her blast the uh, like, Death Eater dummy. And then we see her, like, in the battle of the Department of Ministry... Mysteries. I did the same thing you did. She, like, is pretty powerful in that battle as well. But not constantly enough to, like, show that that's actually more than just, like, a one-off or two-off couple scenes. Like, that's how she is throughout the entire book. And then Ginny's friendship with Hermione and Luna don't come across on screen at all. Like, her friendship with Hermione, definitely not. And then, like, a little bit maybe more with Luna, just because they're part of that silver trio. So they're inherently just, like, grouped together. And then in the movie, she is a very, she is probably like a tertiary character in the movie, whereas yeah. in the book, she's like a very close secondary character. And I think they do this to a lot of the Silver Trio. They mm-hmm. like cut that out. But I think they do give Luna and Neville more shine and like more of an accurate portrayal of them. And it's just frustrating because like, I don't know why they did this to Ginny.
1: Yeah. Like, they let Ivana Lynch be full-on Luna.
0: Yeah. But,
1: and I'm not blaming Bonnie Wright. I think they didn't let Bonnie Wright be full-on Ginny.
0: Yeah, and, like, I, I don't know for sure. Like, I think that Bonnie Wright was a really good casting, but we don't see her be Ginny at all, so I don't know if... Yeah. May, like, maybe they cast a person to, like, fit the writing of Ginny yeah. that they did. So maybe it's, like, a hand-in-hand kind of thing. Like, I don't know for sure. I haven't seen Bonnie Wright act in anything else. I'm sure that she's capable, though. You know what I mean? So, like, it could have been, like, they cast a person to fit the character that they wrote as well as just, like, yeah. writing the wrong character. And... Uh, She comes off as, like, very one-dimensional and kind of a lifeless blob. Like, she really, I've said this so many times in this section, like, she really just has no personality in the movies at all. She's just kind of this, like, I don't even know how to describe her. She just doesn't say much. Yeah, she doesn't say much, and then, like, when she does say much, like, the most genuine yet is probably Half-Blood Prince, and every time she talks, I'm just like, who are you? Like, you are not Ginny Weasley, and it kind of makes me cringe. And she comes off as very timid and like blah, like I kind of just said. She has none of the fierceness, none of the spunk, none of the fiery attitude. And those are all the things that Harry falls in love with. And so when you take those out, it creates more than just making Ginny a smaller character. Like it has more consequences than that. Because then like Harry and her relationship comes off very flat and unbelievable almost. I am like there are lots of other things that I'm sure I didn't mention in this section. But just a quick highlight of all the times that Ginny was not Ginny Weasley in the movies and why that really frustrates me. And if they ever redo anything, a movie, a TV show, whatever, please make Ginny better. Yes. Please. For sure. Because sorry, one more thing. Because people who have only seen the movie come, they they are totally under the wrong impression. They don't believe Ginny and Harry's relationship and so that they so they believe Ginny and her art. Hermione and Harry's relationship, mm-hmm. because that comes across a lot better on screen. And also, like, they don't appreciate Jimmy as a character, and I think that they should. I agree.
1: On that note, I bought this book that you may have seen around. It's called Calling All Witches, and it's about basically just all the badass women in the Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts series unfortunately it's based off the movies which I didn't fully understand when I bought it I bought it at Target and it was like 20% off so I felt like I had to get it it has some pretty cool illustrations and stuff it doesn't really have any new information but yeah I mean I was like I was like oh I I feel like I have to get this it was like 10 bucks um but it is entirely based off the movies I think so in it Ginny has a bio and she's described all of the characters are just like have three words describing them and Ginny's described as gutsy, free-spirited, and strong which I think are all great ways to describe book Ginny <laughs> yes. uh, so at least they got those right but then her like kind of main feature is just a thing that says eight times Ginny took charge and of course this is movie Ginny so these are like the, the eight times that they may have got right in the film <laughs> <laughs> But it's kind of just like a Pottermore stupid article, but I'll just read the eight times. So stood up to Draco Malfoy in Flourish and Bots when he started to insult Harry. And this is the first time she speaks in front of Harry, really, as well. <laughs> um, casts a bomb reducto curse in the Dumbledore's army meeting, which just really reminds me that she's a very good witch. Fought in the Battle of the Department of Mysteries and breaks her ankle during that
0: yeah which i this was something i could have added in the harry ginny section but there is like a quote where harry's like fighting or whatever and he hears like ginny scream and it Mm. like pulls on his heartstrings a little bit
1: the next one is ginny made everyone listen to harry at quidditch shouts and half-blood prince which is something that i think they preserved from the book she just like no one's listening to him and she just gets like shut it and everybody listens (laughs) so she gets two good words (laughs) shut in it (laughs) Um, she stood up to her brothers when they are knowing her about her love life. She convinces Harry to get rid of the Half-Blood Prince's book. And the quote from this example is that said, Ginny knew better than anyone the kind of damage a book could do. So, which gets back to what Katie was talking about a little bit. She was part of the new Dumbledore's army in Deathly Hallows and was one of the leaders of that along with Neville. And she fought in the Battle of Hogwarts and literally went like toe-to-toe with Bellatrix. So, I mean, they did preserve a little bit. We obviously don't, like, if, if we can list eight times that she took charge, like, that's a bajillion more times in the book. But, yeah, that's kind of interesting to look at.
0: Yeah, and I would even say, like, during these instances, she's still just, something about the emotionless look that Bonnie Wright has on her face for most of this is just, like, it doesn't feel real. Like, even when she's yelling, shut it, she, like, has no emotion yeah. on her face. Yeah just like uh (laughs) okay for the where are they now section um we've pretty much talked about all of this throughout the episode but chance at marrying Harry surprise surprise (laughs) they have three children James Sirius, Albus Severus, and Lily Luna and just a thought that I had while we were going through like the um, Hermione Luna or Hermione Ginny relationship I'm kind of surprised that Hermione wasn't brought up in the names like i understand Mm -hmm. that luna is really the only their friend generation that's reflected in any of the names of their children it's all like the older generations that are used but i feel like hermione meant so much to like meant so much more to the both of them yeah and I like you could make the argument like well they were saving Hermione's name for like Hermione's children like obviously they don't do the same crazy thing that Ginny and Harry do with like every single name having to be somebody else, so I don't know I
1: I don't know just I have two thoughts on that one is that Hermione I think is James's godmother so like maybe mm-hmm. that was and then yeah. also I feel like Ginny should have i mean lily molly is a dumb name but that's what like i feel like it should be you know because like that's jenny's middle name and then like carrying that on but that's fine
0: yeah and then as we mentioned earlier she becomes a professional quidditch player playing for the hollyhead harpies which is the all-female club in the quidditch league i don't know what that's called and then as when her athletic career came to an end she became a Quidditch reporter for the Daily Prophet and then went on to become the senior correspondent and then went on to be the editor of the sports section in the Daily Prophet as we see in Cursed Child.
1: All right and then we've only done this on one episode so far but the cocktail book that I have with recipes for each character, Ginny is assigned a tequila sunrise which if you don't know what that is it's tequila, grenadine, and orange juice. And the description is, this is a great-looking cocktail that isn't too hard to make. If you hold a cocktail party, this is sure to be one of the most commonly requested drinks, so it is well worth learning to make. I like this choice because it's popular, like Ginny is, and then, like, the tequila sunrise is reddish-orange, so it kind of, like, that's Ginny's hair,
0: you know? Yeah, it's also got a little bit of
3: kick with some tequila in it, so... Are you a Ravenclaw who likes to learn things? Or a Hufflepuff who wants to know cool
2: science facts to share with your friends? Maybe you're a Gryffindor who wants to know whether your favorite superhero show is accurate. Spoiler alert, the Flash is not accurate. Or a Slytherin who wants to learn about sneaky things like poisons and finding buried bodies, but You know, it's too smart to do the googling yourself because you don't want to end up on the FBI's watch list.
3: Are you concerned about the fact that your favorite Harry Potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic
2: or what an element is? Did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is? If any of the
3: above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole.
2: In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise.
3: We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no
2: practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, that's not or by looking us up on Twitter at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey.
0: Before we move on to our pop quiz, I just wanted to announce that we have reached 100 followers on our Instagram. So we are going to do a giveaway on Instagram. It has already started by the time this episode comes out, and it's going to last from the 8th to the 15th. So you have that amount of time to like the picture that we're going to post for the giveaway. You have to be following us and if you want to get an extra entry, you can tag somebody you think would like our podcast in the comments for the picture. We're going to be giving away a blood pop that I picked up from Universal Studios and a cute little mystery Funko Pop looking figurine of Harry. So then we'll randomize everybody has liked and has followed our podcast and then we'll pick a winner and then we'll DM you guys and we'll let you know who wins and then you can send us your address and we can send you the goodies we have but thank you guys so much for following us on instagram we really appreciate it and we're really trying to grow social media so again just thank you so much and please 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 just tag anybody you think would like our podcast or let them know about it because we really want to grow this podcast to make it as good as it possibly can be but thank you guys so much again okay for our pop quiz today Going off of the quidditch theme that we kind of had going, talking about Ginny, which quidditch position would you play?
1: I would definitely be a keeper.
0: I don't know that it's.
1: Okay, well, that's basically. um, I was a goalie in soccer. So, like, I think it's a really cool position. But also, I mean, like, it's kind of sad that you don't get to fly as much as everyone else. But I feel like keepers do some pretty cool things. When we see Ron, like, being a dope keeper, even though he's, like, really not that good. Um, When he's, like, kicking things off his broom and, like, I don't know. There's, like, like
0: slow motion shots in the movies. All I can picture right now. Yeah.
1: And I think everyone wants to say that they'd be one of the ones where they're, like, zooming around. Because that would be really fun. But, I mean, since I was a goalie, I I feel like I would be a keeper as well.
0: Yeah. So, fun fact about Katie. I've actually played Quidditch before. Um, at the University of Minnesota, I played a little bit of club Quidditch in my day. But then Quidditch games were at like nine thirty to ten o'clock in the morning on Saturday or on Sundays, and I just like can't get up that early. Um, and my, I played my freshman year, and the, the field that we played on was, like, literally right behind my dorm, so, like, it was very easy to get to, but now I live completely on the other side of campus, so it's a lot more difficult to get to. So, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. what position did you play? I played a little bit of everything. Nobody, like, in real Quidditch, for, at like, at least the club level that I played, like, nobody really had, like, a set position. You just kind of played. But... I don't know why, but I've always thought I wanted to be a beater. I think it's because, like, I'm always about, like, picking the unexpected, not cliche choices because I hate cliches so much. So I always pick, like, the non-cliché answers. So I don't know. I think I I a beater. Like, I have some, like, big shoulders. I think I could do it pretty well. I'm definitely not as, like, bulky and strong as, like, some of the guys we see playing beater, i.e. Crab and Goyle. (laughs) But I think that would be the position I'd want to play. I could see it. And yeah. I think oh.
1: you would be cool in the fact that there's not very many female beaters.
0: Yeah, that's probably, that's another one of the reasons. Because, like, Chaser is such a cliche answer. And, to be honest, like, kind of so is Seeker. Yeah. So.
1: Alright, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Pop- Podcasts, Spotify. And you can download and listen to our episodes, which there's two more for our summer series. <laughs> Of weekly episodes, and then after that, we're gonna go back to every other week. Please leave us a review.
0: Yeah, And then you can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter as Wizard Studies. You can also email us at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. And please, please, please send us your questions for our episode in October that we mentioned the last episode. Kind of the unanswered questions that you still have or the things that confuse you about the wizarding world. We would love to get those and try and answer them for you.
1: Yeah, and you can send them over anything email, social media, whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: As always, thank you so much for listening, and remember, just do your best, we'll do the rest.
0: And learn until our brains all rot.